brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Support for the Roster Watch podcast and for the Tradecast comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ROSTERWATCH at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code ROSTERWATCH. This is Terry McLaurin, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining me again as the Week 9 trade market has taken shape. My name's Byron Lambert, and we've got a lot of business to handle this week. So step into my office for the Week 9 RosterWatch.com tradecast. As usual, we'll begin with a short strategy session. Folks, it's time to begin the process of switching gears and arming up for the playoff race with about three weeks left in the trade market in most of our leagues. Uh, Not every team is ready to begin this transition in strategy yet, but this is is the beginning of that level change. Um, But as we kind of begin, what will signal it's time to make this change is that we're beginning to emerge as leaders in our playoff race. Uh, We have now moved through much of the attrition of the season. Uh, We we believe we've got the depth to handle what remains in front of us. And then, you know, we've got to remember that once we get into the playoffs, it's basically sudden death or heck for a lot of us, uh, even week 12, trying to get off the bubble and into the playoffs becomes a one-week must-win situation. At that point, we can start thinking about throwing our benches out of the window. The buys are gone. We can't live in fear of injuries. we got to do everything we can to have the most competitive starting lineup. The heavy artillery in our starting lineup uh, in a live-or-die situation down the stretch. So we're not ready to ship it all quite yet, but that process with three weeks left in the trade market, this is where we begin to have some foresight. This is where the team's operating from a true position of luxury, uh, can get it, continue to stay out front, rich, get richer, uh, and, uh, begin, begin making that move. You know, a lot of these moves over the course of the season, as we talk about consolidation trades, this is about building wealth. Really. I always talk about building equity across of our rosters, but you're really, you're really building wealth is what you're doing. Uh, and for those of us who've successfully done that over the course of the season and are currently operating from a position of luxury, as many of you are, you know, we can begin to quote unquote consider overpaying uh, for the super stud players in our leagues right now, really, whether they're by lows or not. At this point, 
teams from a position of luxury looking to front load their starting lineups for a uh, a mega playoff run aren't necessarily looking for just buy lows anymore. We've kind of been targeting buy lows. Uh, there's been a handful of buys every week too, but it's really been we've been trying to buy low and generate this wealth, generate this value over the course of the season for our teams. But now if we're operating from a position of luxury, we're just starting to lock in on all the really good players across the league. I think we can still target the losing teams or teams on the bubble now have come into focus. Uh, the market kind of opens up here. And like I said, we can, we don't want to go bananas, but the teams operating from a position of luxury that are just stacked with lavish, lavish with assets from top to bottom, including their entire bench can begin to quote unquote, overpay to some extent for the very, very, very top players in the league as uh, we begin front-loading our starting lineups for a monster playoff run. So let's let's maybe define the terms of engagement a little bit as we begin to make this transition from building the quality and equity across our roster uh, through over the course of the season through the trade market and the waiver wire to now front-loading the value of our team into our starting lineup so that we have the most beastly starting lineup possible as we head into the must-win portion of the fantasy season. So I've kind of broken this down into the category that your team may exist in right now and how you uh, may want to behave accordingly on the trade market as we have a few weeks left here. Teams operating from a position of luxury. Uh, These are teams that are either undefeated one, maybe two losses, stacked starting rosters, and great benches. It's time for you guys, if you've identified that you are managing a team of luxury, it's time for you to switch gears and begin this level change uh, in trade strategy for the playoff run. Uh, And what we want to do is we want to create an almost cartoonish starting lineup. I mean, almost laughable starting lineup of big name guys. Let's get rid of all the flex headaches. I don't care if you've got two great guys uh, that you're deciding between on your flex every week. Let's get rid of them for one guy that resolves the headache that is just one of the absolute best players in the league. Even if you've got to package those two and quote unquote overpay uh, I'm talking about guys like going after guys like Saquon Barkley and Zeke Elliott here. We'll get to that a little bit more uh, as the podcast progresses. If you're operating from a position of luxury, not only are you a one loss or undefeated at most two loss team with an absolutely stacked bench and starting roster. The other characteristic here is that the guys, not only do you have a good bench, but you have guys on your bench that you like as much as your starters. So that if you package a couple of starters or one of your starters and one of your bench guys that you really love here to go after an ultra premium, uh, no headache, no nonsense, every week must start in your starting lineup rest of way, that's just an absolute one of the top players in all of fantasy, you can do that. What affords you the luxury to do that is because even if you're pulling one of your starters, you're confident that the guy on your bench is as good as your starter, and you've been itching to play him every week anyway. So you're just not skipping a beat, right? You're losing a little bit off the bottom of your roster now, but it's fine. 
it's fine. We're going to begin. We're going to begin kind of. Uh, uh, we're going to begin shedding a little weight here at the bottom of our roster. If you have identified that you are a quote unquote competitive team, maybe a notch below the teams operating from a position of luxury, you have good lineups that can still be improved upon. But you have a good team and you're in the hunt. You you should begin bringing this idea of front loading your your assets into your starting roster for the playoff run. You should start bringing this transition, this level change we're talking about to open this week's uh, rosterwatch.com trade cast with this level change in playoff strategy or in trade strategies we head towards the playoffs. The competitive teams, it's time to get that on your radar on the horizon and be opportunistic about it. If there's a deal you can make this week, it's probably fine. You can you can consider it. It's more you guys just need to start being aware that this is going to be your course of action here in very, very short order. If you need to, take one more week here to keep doing what we've been doing, which is improving the equity across um, your entire roster uh, through a consolidation trade, a two-for-one consolidation trade where you take two of your players – and trade them to a losing team in your league for one really good player in return that you consider an upgrade. We will then liberate a roster spot that we will replace with a high-value player off of the waiver wire this week. And then, of course, we will have increased the total roster on our equity, and we will also, through that consolidation trade, trading for that one really good player in return, we will have also upgraded our starting lineup. If we can get a win this week, all of a sudden we are much closer to being a team that's operating from a position of luxury, and we can begin undertaking the arms race, bringing in the heavy artillery for the big battle that's about to ensue in our fantasy leagues uh, down the stretch. And if you're a struggling team, this means that not only are you losing, but you can't fill out a competitive starting lineup every week. And this is a nuance. This is good to bring this up. This is a nuance I wanted to dive into. Some of you guys go have come to me say, well, Byron, we always talk about how, you know, all the differences in these trades and the priority of these trades and the which ones are more important and how frequently we should be doing them and when they make sense. But, you know, mostly we're always to some extent talking about improving our starting lineup. So I'm getting confused. Like it, it, we're always trying to improve our starting lineup. So, you know, You've said in the past that's the hallmark of the liquidation trade uh, is that you've identified you need to improve your starting lineup. It's why you're struggling, and that's when you have to take one good player and break him down for more assets. So that may be a little confusing as we always talk about improving our starting lineup still through the number one priority, the top fantasy trade in all of fantasy football, the consolidation trade, the two-for-one or the three-for-two that we've been doing all season to improve our roster steadily. You know, that is also to improve our starting lineup. So you guys kind of want to know what, what's the exact difference here. Well, first of all, you have to identify, are you a struggling team? I mean, that'll be a hallmark of somebody who needs to do a, a liquidation trade. But that's just kind of the surface characterization. If you think about why are you struggling, the real key characteristic of a team who's identified they need to undertake a liquidation trade they need to go make some they need to go make these offers to try to bring some more players in 
is that every week you're starting one, two, maybe even three garbage players in your lineup. So not only are you a losing team, but you literally can't fill out your starting lineup. So yeah, we're trying to improve our starting lineup in a consolidation trade, but we already have a good competitive starting lineup and we're a good competitive team and we're not really struggling filling it out every week. We're just trying to improve it. A struggling team, a team that's losing, a team that's having trouble winning every week, they've identified that the reason they're struggling is because they need to improve their starting lineup primarily because not they're, they're not competitive currently, and that's because every week they're having to roll out one, two, three, maybe even more garbage players into their starting lineup. So if you've identified that's your situation uh, with your team, then, then you need to consider the liquidation trade. And that's where we're going to liquidate our very best player for competitive starters in return to help fill out a more competitive starting lineup, give us the best chance to win this week. Of course, in that situation, we need to make sure we're getting starters that we like in return with good matchups that we are comfortable trading for. And we've got to be looking at trying to win this week if we're a struggling team that's still uh, considering... uh, undertaking the liquidation trade, liquidating one of our big players. And this is a decent time of year to do it. As we've stated, the teams of luxury, even the competitive teams, are willing to begin overpaying right now. So if if you're on the bubble, if you're below the bubble, and you're struggling filling out your lineup, if you've identified that not only do I need to improve my starting lineup, that's what's going to make me more competitive. But the reason for that is because every week I'm putting in one, two, three, or more garbage players into my lineup, then you are a team who needs to take your very best player and do a deal with a team of luxury uh, that will part, that will overpay you for your guy and will send you two really good players in return that'll help fill out that starting lineup for you and make you more competitive down the stretch. That's just the move that you have to make. And that can work out too. That can work out too. I mean, you never know. You just got to get into the playoffs at that point. A lot of things can happen. So that's your best shot. If you're a struggling team right now, uh, teams, teams that are on the bubble right now, uh, being on the bubble, is kind of an old poker term. It means you are a little bit on the outside looking in basically, or you're just on the fringe of your, a playoff field or playoff seating. If the playoffs started today, you'd kind of be on the bubble. You may be a winning in situation this week. Uh, if the season were to end today, um, you teams on the bubble that have to really get a lot of wins here down the stretch. Something you may want to consider is look at your team and see which players you have that might be on a late buy this season, like a week 10, a week 11, a week 12 buy good players that you rely on. If you've got late buys that are going to screw you up, if you're on the bubble and you know you've got to try to win most weeks down the stretch right here, you may want to consider trading for players who already have their buy out of the way. Again, this is uh, the team from luxury operating from the position of luxury. This works two ways right now. You've got to be smart whichever side of the street you're on though right now. got to be street smart here, folks. But again, this works both ways. If you're a team of luxury right now looking to trade for that real, real big fish, you know part of that deal can be had with this, this either losing team or team on the bubble um, if you are willing, to, willing and able to absorb 
the buy. You know, it might be a buy this week or a buy next week from a player who's in a must-win situation. He can't afford to absorb it, but you can. That's part of the benefit of being so stacked up uh, at this point of the season on teams operating from the position of luxury. So, Look, if I'm on the bubble right now, I'm looking at my roster and I say, man, who do I ha- who, what guys do I have that are on buy down the stretch that I really can't avo- afford to absorb their buy? Even if it's my really good players, I'm looking to ship them out now, liquidate them, get players in return to help me fill out my starting lineup, become competitive down the stretch, and see if I can just win and get in. And then from there, who knows what the hell is happening. If I'm a team operating from a position of luxury – as we've said, I'm willing to overpay to some extent. That includes maybe absorbing a good player's buy that remains. So, you know, let's say you want to get Alvin Kamara because that's one of the really, really big fish here. And that's really, if we're a team operating from a position of luxury, that's all we're interested in right now is the biggest of big fish. So, you know, for example, Alvin Kamara on a buy this week. If there's a losing team who simply can't absorb his buy this week, but you can. Be opportunistic, you know, so that's a that's a way to be be opportunistic and get a guy that maybe otherwise you couldn't right here. If I'm operating from a position of luxury, I'm looking at every losing team right now and I'm looking at all their guys that are on by and I'm looking for the very best players in the league uh, that that um, uh, that may exist. Uh, within that kind of that that filter in my league right now. Of course, I'm willing to look beyond that, but that's one smart way to begin this process. It gives you a really good chance of getting something done. If you can go straight to the losing team, they need a win this week. They've got a monster player on by this week or maybe even on by, you know, next week or whatnot. Uh, if you're still, you know, in this mode, in this same trade mode next week and approach them. And that's going to be your best shot at getting one of these really, really big fish. Now, if that doesn't work, so what? Go go keep making trade offers uh, to, to other teams for, this, for the super big fish, the ultra elite players in all of fantasy. I mean, I, I, you, you know, you got to ask, right? You got to get your lines in the water and um, – all somebody can say is no, and that doesn't hurt our feelings. We're willing to hear no a thousand times if if it's in order to get that good deal just that one time to help us win our league. So I think if you're a team operating from a position of luxury, look for the losing teams with monster players on by this week. Uh, it's a really good way to try to shake one of those guys free on the week nine uh, trade market. And then if I'm a struggling team, if I've got a big fish who's on by this week and I'm in a must-win uh, I find one of those teams a luxury. I get them to overpay me for that player this week. I feel good about the starters I get in return. Uh, I get, uh, I'm get. i now able to better fill out a competitive starting lineup. I've relieved some headaches. I got guys I feel good I can moving forward with that have good matchups uh, this this week. Um, we call these bi-week nightmares. That's kind of uh, an old roster watch term. Guys, I got some questions here. If it's okay, coming in at rosterwatch.com over on the message boards, uh, our pro community is very, very lively over there. Alex, myself, the trash man, many of our users are in there all the time answering each other's questions about our fantasy leagues and other things. A lot of folks become friends in there. It's a very lively community. And so anyways, I go to the message boards at rosterwatch.com to source some of the content for this trade cast every week. Um, and, 
got a question this week, if it was okay to send trades out on the same player to multiple owners. And it's, I guess it's a great question. I mean, to me, it's just, uh, that's just something I've been doing forever. Yes. The answer is yes. Yes. That's actually the most efficient way of going about doing this. If you want to get deals done, I do it all the time. And so the question was here, Byron, is it okay to send trades out revolving around the same player to multiple owners, multiple teams in your league? Is it okay to have, you're asking a guy like me, if it's okay to have multiple lines in the water. Not only am I going to tell you, yes, I'm going to tell you, Hell yes. It's a numbers game, right? It's a numbers game, and it's a hard. there's a lot of work that goes into managing your fantasy team every week. You've got to streamline the process. You only have so much bandwidth. And so for me, the, the most efficient way to do it is I figure out kind of every week, I look at my team, I say, okay, these are the, my primary sell guys, and then I go and find a handful of guys that I'm willing to buy in return, all players I would be happy with from multiple owners in my league. I construct deals for all of them, deals that I would be happy if I got any of them. And I just send them all out and I just wait and see who bites because I don't have time. You know, sometimes you have one deal you want to do way more than another. And in that case, you send that out first. You wait to see what happens before you send the others out. But that's a very time-consuming process. If you really want to get something done, the more efficient strategy is come up with several deals with several owners in your league that you'll be happy with, send them all out and see what happens. But, but that may, may or may not always be the case. Like we're talking about here, go the very first order of business right now. If you're trying to arm up for uh, the, the playoff race, if you're operating from a position of luxury and just trying to stack your starting lineup to a you know a cartoonish level right now with elite name must start players um, every week. You may first want to start with going and finding these losing teams encountering a bye week nightmare for their very best players. So if there's only one of those those guys in your league, yeah, send that deal out first. See if you can get it done before you go to plans B and and C. But you know if you have two or three losing teams in your league, even that fit that profile with a, and you find there's two or three go- really good players on by this week. You'd be interested in just get a deal out for all of them and see what happens. So, uh, you know, there's always a few ways to skin the cat, but if you, if, if that situation arises, yes, it is okay. Actually it is recommended uh, to make your life easier and to increase your chance of getting a deal done is just yeah, get a bunch of lines in the water. Byron, is there anything worse then whenever you're trying to shave your your balls and you have to use the same razor or the same trimmer or whatever that you use on your face? Oh, I just puckered up thinking about it. <laughs> it hurts, dude. It hurts. You can, Especially if you use an actual razor, you will cut your nuts. Um, that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. They have the new Lawnmower 2.0. It has proprietary skin-safe technology, so the trimmer won't nick your cut. Nick, cut, snag, it, you know, none of that stuff. Your nuts are going to be safe. So manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. You, like I said, man, you, like who uses the same trimmer on their dirty balls and their grundle in between their, their like the back of their ball sack and their exit hole? Like how are you going to use the same trimmer on your face that you put there? It's like, look, 85% of women – 
think that grooming or a lack of grooming is a major turnoff. 80% of women think men should manscape below the belt. And 89% of men think good grooming is essential to their professional success. Like, that comes from the business wire. So, look, here's what we've found from the Manscaped products. They have the new Lawnmower 2.0, which is better than the original Lawnmower. And you might ask how much better. Well, so, all right, so now it trims at 6,000 strokes per minute. That's up from 4,000 strokes per, per minute with the original one. And the battery life has improved from 15 minutes on one charge all the way up to 60 minutes. And it includes a rechargeable battery now. No more double A's. The trimming head's also now replaceable with the lawnmower 2.0. It's now waterproof, guys. I'm telling you, you all you got to do is get that lawnmower, get it down there. It takes a few minutes. They, they give you this, uh, they give you some, like, newspaper-looking stuff to stand on so it's easy to clean up afterwards and then you just kind of get this this ball deodorant this ball toner just kind of get it rubbed around on there you're gonna be feeling silky and smooth before you know it and you're not gonna ever remember what it was like before you started using manscaped alex i couldn't believe it ever since i got my sample kit from manscaped my girlfriend from dallas has been flying out way more often to come see me for a sweaty greek man like me she absolutely loves the ball deodorant and then the ball toner so smooth and shiny and so tight she's able to bounce a half dollar off those hush puppies and also man that you know me alex I got Greeks. We got a lot of chest here. I'm able to use that lawnmower up top too. All right. So you can get 20% off and free shipping with promo code rosterwatch at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code rosterwatch. Join the other dudes helping themselves with Manscaped with a special offer just for our listeners. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. That's right. Manscaped is offering rosterwatch listeners 20% off and free shipping. To get yours, go to manscaped.com and use promo code rosterwatch. Again, manscaped.com and use promo code rosterwatch to get 20% off and free shipping. That's manscaped.com and use promo code rosterwatch. The other question was about leaving trades open to those who don't respond. We never do that at Roster Watch. That's called dealing with chicken littles, and we hate dealing with chicken littles. As a matter of fact, once we. That's just bad form. And once we encounter a player that does that regularly uh, with our trade offers, either a no, uh, just a no response and then leaves it open, we start to slide them into the chicken little category of things. Uh, even if they're not a total scaredy cat negotiator and are, you know, have been known to, to be willing to do deals in the past, most of the time those guys are somewhat chicken littles, if not completely chicken littles. Uh, they'll only do deals if they think they are absolutely bending you over uh, backwards on that one, and the, it's just that type of person. So if I if I recognize I'm dealing with somebody like that, number one, I kind of stop dealing with them. But the other reason is here, it's kind of a backhanded thing. They're they're leaving that trade open, waiting to see if somebody gets injured on their team and then they can go run to their computer and insta accept it and screw you over, you know, uh, and screw you over uh, hoping that, you know, they beat you to it. It's kind of an insurance thing for me. It's kind of a scammy, scammy deal. So we always cancel our trades, uh, before kickoff on Sundays because we don't want anything open and hanging out there. If there's an injury, some guy's planning on some guy that hasn't responded to us all week. He's just not being a genuine actor. He's not acting in good faith at this point. You know, 
he's he's not really interested in doing the deal right now. He's more interested in seeing if he can screw you over during the game. If somebody gets injured, he's going to run and accept it. Now that works both ways. You could do the same thing to him, but that's just that's that's not really what's usually on our mind at that point. A lot of us have kind of forgotten that we have those trades hanging out there, and then that's when something stupid can like that can happen. You don't want to fall victim to that, and you don't want to deal with people like that. So. Make your offers. Give folks time to respond. It's always good to, yes, to get these people's phone numbers in your league and text message them as well to accompany these trades just to try to facilitate. And uh, if you're dealing with somebody who's a chicken little acting in good, good in bad faith that either just doesn't respond and is just a shitty person to deal with, quit wasting your time, or or realize that maybe they're trying to scam you by leaving that trade open, hoping you forget about it, and then screwing you over when something something weird comes up in your league. You don't want to fall victim to something idiotic like that either. So uh, know who you're dealing with. Uh, do business with good actors in your league. You'll actually find you'll get more deals done like that. Once you find the guys in your league who are willing to do fair trades, you can do a lot of deals with them. And it only takes two, three, four guys in your league uh, that's enough trade partners that you can really make some helpful uh, transactions over the course of the season. And then don't leave yourself susceptible to swindle by some dirt ball in your league who's trying to scam you by leaving a trade open, hoping you forget about it, and then waiting for um, some serendipitous turn of events in their favor where they can run to their computers, click accept, and somehow uh, screw you over when you're uh, least expecting it. Uh, the other question we get a lot here is about the value of quarterbacks, why we don't value them in our leagues all that much, why we don't value them on the fantasy football trade market every week because uh, we've had to adopt the mantra this week, this season, quit overpaying for quarterbacks. It was way too often over on Twitter at RosterWatch or over on the message boards at RosterWatch.com. We still see you guys engaging in deals for for quarterbacks which is and most of the time overpaying so both of those things are real harebrained in our opinion and number one you're just wasting a lot of time well you could be improving your roster in more meaningful ways than spending time figuring out how to trade a quarterback but even even compounding the problem is then overpaying for the quarterback so many of you want to know why we can't overpay for quarterbacks in fantasy football or in the fantasy football trade market. It's simple economics. Uh, And outside of two quarterback leagues, which are a very small percentage, I mean, the vast majority of fantasy football leagues, you can only start one quarterback. And these are 10, 12, 14, 16 team leagues. Guys, there's 32 starting quarterbacks in the league in any any given week. So there's a, a surplus of supply, and if you look at it, and this is true basically every year, look at it, go look at it to date on the season, of you know 32-plus starters in the league on the season, 20 of those guys have been statistically serviceable for fantasy on the season. And a lot of this is replacement value, opportunity cost. What's the difference between the number 10 guy and the number 20 guy in fantasy? It's not much. Go look at the stats. The difference in the number 10 quarterback on the season and the number 20 quarterback on the season is very, very slim uh, so far this year. So this just tells you that the simple economics puts downward pressure on the value 
of quarterbacks in this in 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 your league because think about it in any almost any league in a given week if you were to look back in retrospect to the week that was there's almost almost always at least one quarterback on your waiver wire who had a really good week or may have gone bananas or been at the very least been serviceable. So most of the time you are way better off using your draft capital, using your trade assets over the course of the season, using your waiver priority, using your assets to upgrade your skill positions across your fantasy football roster. Ladies and gentlemen, identify your needs. Target losing teams. Ask yourself, are you operating from a position of luxury? Always maintain a focus on your starting lineup when considering any deal. Think about what's the net fallout of this transaction? Where am I noticeably upgrading my roster and my starting lineup? What of meaningful value am I giving up? Who does this send to my bench if I make this trade? Did this deal upgrade my starting lineup? Am I more competitive this week? Are the guys I'm trading for starters on my team? Who are the principals involved in this deal? Am I getting the best player? Do I need multiple players in return? Quit overpaying for quarterbacks. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we will get to examples of some mock trades for the week nine trade market later towards the end of the week nine rosterwatch.com trade cast as we do every week so that you guys have uh, kind of a tangible uh, examples, uh, pathways to move forward on the trade market this week after uh, you give the podcast a listen. But first, we kindly ask each and every one of you to please rate review this podcast the roster watch podcast over on apple Podcasts. please leave a five-star rating and a glowing review also please follow us on twitter at rosterwatch and support us over at the site rosterwatch.com folks we present to you the week nine fantasy football trade market let's begin with the buy side of the week nine running back market right here on the week nine rosterwatch.com trade cast. And we've said that we've kind of gone from buying and buying low at this point of the season, especially if we're operating from a position of luxury and we're switching gears now to just flat out targeting players in order to front load our starting lineups for the playoff race to take the quality depth that we've accumulated over the course of the season if we are a team of luxury and shift that into, as I said, almost a cartoonish mega starting lineup, just chock full of super elite players. And this is the beginning of that transition as we have three weeks left to get these deals done, to, to ship everything to our, as that we can to our starting lineups before the trade deadline expires and the teams operating of a position of the luxury here in week nine are the, the first set of teams that can begin undertaking this transition of targeting rather than quote unquote buying. And so on the week, on the running back side of the week nine 
trade market on the buy side will begin first with just the flat-out elite players in fantasy. That's the number one priority if you are a team operating from a position of luxury right now is to just go after – you want your entire starting lineup to be the who's who of fantasy football, all the most elite guys – in fantasy football, you want wide receiver ones at every position. You want running back ones at every position. You want the best of the best. And if you're operating from a position of luxury, you've probably already got a lot of those guys. So first thing I'm doing is I'm going and looking to see who in my league owns players like Saquon Barkley, Zeke Elliott, Alvin Kamara with Drew Brees back in the mix. Dalvin Cook has very much put himself into that conversation. It's a small group of guys there, um, but those are those are the very elite of the elite, the ultra premium, the super elite players in all of fantasy football on the running back side of the market that if we are operating from a position of luxury, we have to begin thinking about targeting those teams. Now, best case scenario is there's a losing team in our league who is struggling to fill out a starting lineup and we can go, even though these guys aren't a buy low, we are so lavish with assets and starters from the, even on our bench that we're just going to go flat out quote unquote overpay for one of these guys this week and get them onto our roster. That's fine. That's how this works. That's how this works because it's like, what do they say? You know, you can't go to you're not you can't you know you can't go to your you go to your grave. What are you going to do with all the money when you die? You know, basically, what is it? You go to you go to your grave. You can't go to your grave with it all, or you know, it's no good, no good once you know when it goes to your grave. So it's kind of like dying with a whole bunch of money. It's great to leave money for your family and your kids. That's that's certainly worth something. But if you're just if you're just dying and uh, your money just evaporates, then it's it's worthless. And that's basically what happens to all the starters on your bench in fantasy football when you get to the playoffs, right? So you can't, and you just can't worry about injuries at this point. We're in it to win it. So uh, going into the fantasy playoffs with an elite bench full of starters is like dying with a mountain of cash under your mattress that you haven't left in a will for anybody and you've been living in a in a in a trailer home dri- uh, driving a a a 20-year-old car for the last 30 years living very uh, in a very thrifty way not even enjoying your life that's what that would essentially amount to and we just can't even we can't live a life like that in good conscience at roster watch maybe sub slightly sub elite fantasy running back still available that we've been pounding the drum for for a few weeks. This is the last time we're going to go in on him, but this is it. The stretch is actually here for Le'Veon Bell. It's a calculated risk, still very, very much a player, a big fish available on the buy side of the Week 9 running back market and the fantasy football trade market right here at rosterwatch.com. Le'Veon Bell, still a player we're very interested in buying this week in our fantasy football leagues. Uh, either through a, well, he he, you could get him in a in a number of ways right now. You could get him in a consolidation trade where you're taking two flex players and trading up for a Le'Veon Bell, clearing a roster spot so that you can make a big waiver ad this week. Or Le'Veon Bell might be such a buy low that he's one of these players 
that I mean he would be an ideal player if you're a struggling team that needs to get a couple guys in return to because you're starting garbage players, two, three garbage players every week on your team. Um Le'Veon Bell would be an ideal guy to get in return. Now, is is there a winning team operating from a position of luxury in your league that owns Le'Veon Bell? Unlikely, but you never you never know. And so maybe he wants you to come off of a guy like Zeke or Kamara or Barkley and you're a losing team and you can get, you know, Le'Veon Bell and one other really good player in return. You know, maybe one of these wide receivers we're going to get to on the buy side of the week nine wide receiver market here shortly. I mean, that's a deal you've got to start start thinking about. And that's a that's a that's a good deal. Uh, we'll continue on here with the the running back sells from the week nine trade market. It begins with Adrian Peterson. He's been on the list here for a little bit. Uh, he's been good. He's actually been good. He's got Buffalo this week, which is actually not as horrible on paper as maybe we remember Buffalo seeming to be versus our fantasy running backs. But then it's a bye in week 10 for Adrian Peterson. And then we have the return of Darius Geis on the horizon for what will probably be just a very muddled situation with a quarterback situation that may be beginning to devolve uh, from an already pathetic state in Washington. So, you know, again, we talk about it all the time. Not everybody's a sell high. Some people are just a sell, and that's what Adrian Peterson is a sell. See what you can get for him uh, right now. If you have to play him this week, if you're in absolute bind, I guess you could do worse. But I would certainly, if I owned Adrian Peterson, I would be doing everything I can right now to see how I could take him and turn him into something uh, better for my fantasy football team as we look uh, down the stretch here. Jamal Williams of the Green Bay Packers running back another two touchdowns on only 10 touches and a 46% snap count in week eight. Uh, the bottom line is the Packers offense is on fire. It's still a 46.5% touchdown dependency on less than 10 touches per game on the season for Jamal Williams, though. I'm selling him high where I can for a premium guy. This is a perfect example of what we have to start doing with players like this, even if we're quote unquote overpaying, uh, what good does it do to have Jamal Williams sitting on our bench in the fantasy playoffs level up, uh, for the playoff run and the heavy artillery start take, who cares if you think Jamal Williams is valuable. If you've got to throw him in on top of a deal and quote unquote overpay to get a really a better player in return or one of these elite players in return, or even if we're just a competitive team still undertaking the consolidation process, you know, to get a good player in return, can you take Jamal Williams and one other guy we'll talk about in this podcast and get a Le'Veon Bell? I mean, even if you're still in that mode right now, a competitive team just consolidating to incrementally and steadily improve the value in your starting lineup and across your team, uh, then that's, that would be just a fine transaction this is this is recommended so Jamal Williams Green Bay Packers absolutely a sell he's the he's the he's the poster boy for the profile of a player that we should be using right now to go get ourselves to improve our fantasy football team Joe Mixon continues uh, here to be on the sell side of the fantasy football market 21 touches for 77 yards and a touchdown once again on only a 51% snap count for Joe Mixon. He's on the bye 
uh, now uh, this week for the Bengals. We know that Andy Dalton is getting benched for an unproven quarterback, and it's not a great schedule when Joe Mixon returns. So I'm not sure what you can get for him, but if I own Joe Mixon, I'm certainly looking to sell him. Maybe you can trick one of these teams uh, that has kind of lucked into operating from a position of luxury that in their mind, still adding somebody like Joe Mixon down the stretch is a really smart play. Maybe you can get him to overpay you a little bit. Uh, you're probably a losing team with Mixon. You could probably use a couple of guys in return that are pretty good. Vice versa, if I can use Joe Mixon still as a throw-in in a consolidation trade and a two-for-one or a three-for-two to bring myself back the better player in the deal, I'm absolutely looking to do it. Miles Sanders, Philadelphia Eagles. On the sell side of the Week 9 running back market at RosterWatch.com. Right here on the RosterWatch.com Week 9 trade cast. Six touches, 118 yards, one touchdown, but only a pitiful and pathetic 18% snap count for the rookie Miles Sanders of the Philadelphia Eagles in Week 8 as we look towards Week 9. He's got the Bears this week, and then it's a and then it's a bye, and then he comes back to face the New England Patriots. So this is this is a tricky three weeks here for Miles Sanders, and he's not a guy we trust anyways. I mean, we've we've compared and contrasted him to, say, somebody like a David Montgomery all season who we'll talk about in a bit, and the snap counts just aren't there for Miles Sanders. He's had the big plays, mostly in the passing game. A lot of folks uh, that have watched him uh, and been scouting the Eagles through the season actually thinks he leaves a lot of meat on the bone in the run game, not hitting the holes properly and following his assignments um, obviously a big play guy though. So, but that could, that, you know, that just combined with being in a Doug Peterson running back rotation, it's just, this is an unreliable situation. And this is the game we play all year with Miles Sanders. We're always waiting for him to have that big game so we can get back in the market and try to sell him high. So when, when you do, it's time to exit the ride and this is a good time to hop off with Miles Sanders. Same can be said for Jordan Howard, uh, Pretty similar situation, same matchup, same bye week, same situations. Tried selling high two weeks ago on Jordan Howard, implored you guys. Then it's been two predictably pedestrian weeks after his breakout game. Uh, we got another one on paper this last week. It was in standard, uh, I mean, in half point PPR, I think it was almost an 18 pointer. So, uh, once again, this is the game all season with Jordan Howard. You know, he's going to screw you more times than he's going to help you. You're going to get tricked into thinking you have a good player when he does have the good games. And truthfully, the smart players are just waiting all season for the good games where they can sell them high. And then if they can't get it done, you just play the game. You have to sit, start them the next few weeks. It's a headache. Yeah, you probably absorb his crappy games. And then as soon as you get back in the sell market, you're back at it. 13.63 touches per game for Jordan Howard. And a you know, substandard snap count, simply not reliable. Now we're to the category of the week nine fantasy football trade market, the running back side of the market, where we're talking about running backs that we are either very pleased and happy to keep at this point, or we would consider still selling super, super high for one of the very elite players. Uh, We began this rundown with uh, at the running back position this week. Um, uh, if we had to do it, we could, we could still quote unquote level up with these players to the very top levels of fantasy football. And Aaron Jones of the green Bay Packers, uh, certainly has to be in this discussion at this point. I mean, he's top three to five fantasy running back on the season. It's been an absolute, really a monster. So 
You have to be very happy thinking about keeping Aaron Jones at this point on, again, a Packers offense that's on fire and his values through the roof. He may just be a little bit of an anomaly in a timeshare. The offense is so good and his skill set is a perfect mesh. He's just going to score a lot of fantasy points. So I think in most cases, Aaron Jones is a really nice keep the rest of the season, unless, of course, it's for a guy like Zeke Elliott or Saquon Barkley. I'm still very interested in taking Aaron Jones coming off of a 226-yard, two-touchdown, 20-touch monster on still a 64% snap count. You know That, that profile is less than like a Mark Ingram and a Devontae Freeman and a Tevin Coleman and all these guys. I mean, that's, that's 64% or as anybody else in the league, that's like a higher end that's a mid to high end rb2 type snap count you know if they're in a good offense but we have a top three running back on the season aaron jones he's got good matchups with the chargers and the panthers on the horizon then the bye week once again only a sell for a player like saquon barkley or zeke elliott at 18 and a half touches per game he is noticeably you know less touches than those guys at this point on the season so I think you could still, if you can make a move for one of them on a lo- for, from a losing team, I'd still feel comfortable uh, uh, making that move. Just for the, the level of his fantasy production, you know, his touches are operating as a top three to five fantasy running back on the season, uh, depending on your format. Aaron Jones right now. He's the one guy on that list, if you look at that list, if you look at the players around him performing at a similar clip in terms of fantasy production on this season, everybody else is getting way more touches. Aaron Jones is the one guy in that group that has a noticeable amount, you know, less touches per game on the season in that area. So it's a little bit of an indicator. He has a little bit of a, a sell-high profile. He's actually got a lot of Mark Ingram's profile to him. He's obviously got the pass-receiving profile or uh, – characteristics in addition to that which is a huge boon over a guy like Mark Ingram and explains why he's you know performing more as a high-end RB1 explosively than uh, maybe Ingram who's also been outperforming his profile but more as a you know lower end RB1 and I think at the end of the day if you kind of zoom out and try to see that for what it is it makes Aaron Jones more of probably a very good high upside in any given week but on on the season in the end probably going to end up a middling RB1, not the top three guy that he is right now. So are we fine to keep him? Yes, absolutely at this point. But again, if we can take Aaron Jones and move up for one of the very, very elite players in all of fantasy, like a Saquon Barkley or a Zeke Elliott from a losing team, that's a move we are still highly considering making. Tevin Coleman, obviously pretty much a keep at this point, love him in his situation with the 49ers and would only be willing to sell very similar to Aaron Jones for one of the super elite, ultra-premium players in all of fantasy. Lots of potential appeal this week with the other running backs injured in San Francisco. Uh, we all know he's coming off the four-touchdown monster uh, this last week. And that might have some of you worried that on a short week um, – that could be a tough turnaround for Tevin Coleman coming off a game like that. Because a lot of times a guy will have a big game and then maybe come back on that short week and not so much. Um, but the matchup is solid against Arizona this week. And he, we have to remember, he sat the entire fourth quarter this last week and only had 13 touches. So 
I think Tevin Coleman's fresh. He missed the beginning of the season. I'm not really worried about it. He had a huge game last week. He was probably in line for another good game this week. Always going to be a little bit worried about the snap count percentage for Tevin Coleman in that running back rotation in San Francisco. I just think it means some every once in a while, some weeks you're going to miss. You know, you don't really feel like a guy like Saquon Barkley is ever going to totally screw you. You still go into some weeks thinking Tevin Coleman could screw you or knowing that he might. Uh, it was only a 48% snap count this last week. Obviously, the game script had a lot to do with that. CM Moore is probably a 60% guy, 65 is what you'd really like, 67. Uh, if we ever see 70, we'll be doing uh, cartwheels. But mostly a 15 to 20 touch guy on the season for Tevin Coleman. Those touches uh, went uh, over 20 the previous two weeks, but then again back down to 13 last week as the 49ers started blowing people out, which, man, it looks like they have certainly the opportunity to do that this year. This is a very, very good team. So uh, a 15 to 20 touch guy may be trending more towards about 18 uh, touches per week for Tevin Coleman, but is operating at that 48% touchdown dependency. So some of the characteristics of a super sell high, although a very strong keep Tevin Coleman the rest of the season, we would only consider moving him for one of the very top names in all of fantasy. Chris Carson, his next four weeks are going to look like Tampa Bay, San Francisco, a bye, and Philadelphia, which are three terrible matchups, um, kind of bookending a bye week there. So as good as Chris Carson's been, I'd consider packaging him with one or more solid players for, again, a super elite player like Zeke Elliott or Saquon Barkley. I think he fits right into this category with Aaron Jones as Tevin Co- and Tevin Coleman players were very happy with and were very happy to keep ver- the rest of the season very, very good players that, um, you know, we, we, we may not actually get we may not totally capture, you know, everything they're worth. Again, you might kind of quote unquote be overpaying when you're, it might be hard to get full return on these players. You might be quote unquote overpaying a little bit when you're going up to the guys just a notch above them, because you know, the guys a notch above them um, may, may not be that much better, um, but they're going to cost you a lot to get, but still that little incremental difference especially the reliability factor can make a big difference week to week in a must win, you know, live or die situation down the stretch and in our fantasy playoffs. So, you know, you're always thinking about still taking a Chris Carson and getting up to a Zeke or Barkley or Camara. Uh, if you can, uh, obviously we'd throw Christian McCaffrey into any of these discussions as well. We mentioned Dalvin cook as one of these super elite players we could target. Uh, McCaffrey almost just feels like an untouchable at this point. Uh, it's hard to believe there would even be a team that would ever need to liquidate him. So I'd just say unlikely that he's even in play. But of course, if he is, you know, feel free to target Christian McCaffrey with everything you have if you're a team operating from a position of luxury. And one of those guys you may roster is Chris Carson. It feels like he's having a monster year, and he is. Uh, you know, but people feels like people view him as an elite running back one right now with a lot of hype. And you know, we have to realize that even on a good Seahawks offense, he's more like running back 12 or 13 on the season, kind of slotted right there with somebody like a Derrick Henry on the year. Uh, so Chris Carson, truthfully, ultimately, if you're a really good team, if you're, um, you 
know, if you could draw it up just the way that you wanted, ideally you'd have him as your RB2, and, and you just kind of live with him as your RB1 if necessary, if you're in that situation. So that's who Chris Carson is, a very good player. Uh, but if I can take him and go all the way to the top of the mountain for one of these other guys, I'm doing it. Um, and as a matter of fact, after this Chris Carson talk and looking the stats over on the touchdown dependency tool right here at rosterwatch.com, again, all of the data that's baked into this discussion every week um, comes from our tools at rosterwatch.com. All of our pro subscribers have access to them uh, year round for uh, cheaper than a fair trade cup of coffee uh, every month. And, you know, as I look at this, I look at the snap counts, touches, and targets tool. Uh, here as well. I, I just see that Derrick Henry very much for me falls in that same discussion with a Chris Carson. So a good keep if you if you need to. He's been a fine player. He feels like a little bit of a thin play every week, thinner play than Chris Carson. He feel, Henry feels like playing Derrick Henry feels somewhere between feel, playing Devontae Freeman and Chris Carson every week. So I'd say as a matter of fact, he's very much in the same category. A keep if you need to keep him. He's been plenty good. But if you can take Derrick Henry and get up to Zeke Elliott or Saquon Barkley or Alvin Kamara or probably even uh, maybe even a Dalvin Cook, I, you know, I I would I would strongly uh, consider that at this point. If I would have told you at any point prior to the season that the Patriots and the 49ers would be the two remaining undefeated teams in the NFL coming into week nine, you'd have called me crazy, right? Or maybe you wouldn't because you saw it coming. But regardless, it's been an exciting season. It continues to be an exciting NFL season. And I'll tell you what, you don't have to sit back and watch the season unfold with your hands in your pockets either because you too can get in on the action. Support your team every weekend or take advantage of your football knowledge to bring home the bacon with my bookie. So between football season, the MLB playoffs, the start of the NBA and NHL seasons, it's time to get off the sidelines and get in on the action. There's plenty to bet on and always cash to be won. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, like if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because you can bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout so if you're going to bet this season do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because nobody gives you more ways to win if you really want to support your team this season don't just sit on the sidelines get in on the action at mybookie.ag and if you join right now mybookie will double your first deposit you just have to use our promo code roster r-o-s-t-e-r to activate the offer that's promo code roster to double your cash visit mybookie.ag today and use promo code roster to double your first deposit mybookie you play you win. You get paid. Dalvin Cook, by the way, even with Alexander Madison getting involved, still 23.13 touches per game on the season, 4.25 targets per game on the year. I mean, I absolutely do believe in mean, 20.5 points per game in standard on the season, a very sustainable 33% touchdown dependency uh, uh, rate here. Dalvin Cook very much should fall in the category with the Zeke Elliott's uh, the rest of the way here. So I do think you can slide him into that group of super elite guys that we're targeting with some of the players that we're speaking about right now. Another one of those guys could be Sony Michelle. I think at this point he's proven he is to some extent just an anomaly. Statistically, he profiles as a guy that's a sell high that you really would prefer not to keep or rely on. But overall, I think is going to be fine in this Patriots offense is you know, he's their lead guy. You know, we said from training camp, Sonny Michelle was 
you know, it wasn't thrilling and it was still going to be a rotation, but that situation had clarified a little bit and he was pretty much the, the lead guy, you know, it was looking like mainly a one, two punch at that point, Michelle and James White. And I think that's what we're seeing a little bit more here, you know, lately, of course they, you know, Belichick's always going to get that third, fourth, fifth guy mixed in, but what hasn't changed is Michelle mainly being, uh, the lead guy in weeks, um, it was a 41% uh, 41% snap in week eight for Sony Michelle. 21 touches, 74 yards. He didn't get the touchdown, though, and that's what you're going to kind of live and die by uh, if he's your running back two in fantasy this year. He's got middling matchup with Baltimore Ravens this week and then a bye. So Sony Michelle, if you have to keep him, I think that's fine at this point. If I can sell Sony Michelle for a much better player, I'm certainly considering at this point. Todd Gurley. He's on the bye this week, uh, so he may be off of the table. Uh, but I would, if I own him, I'm still trying, even on the bye this week, to use Todd Gurley to level up for one of these more elite players in fantasy to improve my starting lineup, to improve my chances here of either, you know, of getting into the playoffs and of winning once I'm in there. We were worried last week about the 65 total yards per game for Todd Gurley on the season. And then last week it was only 44 yards on a 52% snap count on 10 touches. Granted, it was against the Bengals, but I mean, we are seeing Henderson move, the rookie uh, emerge, continue to emerge there and look like he has a lot of juice. 15 touches per week for Todd Gurley. He's been so touchdown dependent, but the fantasy production has been there. I just think that while he's got the name value, while you know Malcolm Brown is looking like he's non-existent, while the fantasy production's there, man, I'm just I'm doing everything I can to 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 sell Todd Gurley for a really good player. And if I can't, much like Michelle, I think he is a bit of an anomaly. He's just going to be. It looks like he's going to be the guy that they are. They're spelling him enough. They're trying to manage his workload so that he's going to be vi- he's going to be viable all season long and to reduce his durability issues. But he's their he's their touchdown scorer and their red zone guy. So if they can keep him healthy and that's his role the rest of the season on that offense, he's a plenty good player. But there's enough going on with Todd Gurley that I really do think keeping him is fine, but selling him high for a really really good player is probably the 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 better move. Austin Eckler. It's a good matchup this week after he was back to earth last week. You know, it's just going to stay like this for Austin Eckler. Obviously, at this point, he's been a really good play on the season, and you're just fine to keep him as an RB2 or an RB3 or you know a really nice flex. But you know, obviously, if you can sell Austin Eckler high, I think you do it. I think you absolutely do it, you know, if uh, – if if you can get a better player than Austin Eckler by packaging him with somebody else, a better, more reliable player with that you feel better about heading into the fantasy playoffs or down the stretch here, that's still a fine move. And you know, maybe if I'm liquidating and I'm getting somebody to overpay because I'm having trouble filling out my starting lineup, I'm putting in one, two, three garbage players every week, and I'm in a must-win situation. Now, I suppose Eckler is one of these guys I could get somebody take him and another really good player and quote-unquote overpay me with I could take back in return and get a good matchup this week and try to win. Um, and they've got Green Bay, Oakland, and Kansas City. Uh, 
three pretty decent matchups before the bye. It's a 56 to 53% snap count share with Melvin Gordon last week. He was outtouched by Gordon 10 to 5. Uh, he was outpaced on the snap counts by a little bit there. It was 56 uh, last week in week eight to Melvin Gordon's uh, favor. We'll talk about Melvin Gordon in one second. I think he f- continues to fall in a slightly different category. But first, Carlos Hyde on the running back side of the week nine trade market. Right here on the week nine rosterwatch.com trade cast. It was another 19 touches, 83 yards, but again, only on a 52% snap count in week eight. I just think you keep trying with Carlos Hyde to sell him high for a really, really good player in return. You know, maybe you could take a Hyde and an Eckler and get yourself something better, right? We'll get to some mock trade examples that we would consider constructing to guys give you guys a, a pathway to move forward on here at the end of the podcast today. So to, to stay tuned right here. And it is a decent matchup this week at Jacksonville for Carlos Hyde. Uh, he's got the bye after that. And then it's Baltimore, Indianapolis, and New England all on the tougher side on the backside of that bye. So somebody who needs to win this week, I think you can sell him on the matchup against Jacksonville and you can shake him down for one of their better players. Again, Eckler with a decent matchup this week, you know, can you take an Austin Eckler and a Carlos Hyde and package them uh, to a losing team who needs two guys to help them win this week and shake them down for one of their better players like an Alvin Kamara who's on a bye? I mean, that's a perfect trade scenario. We'll rehash that one at the end of the podcast. But can you take Austin Eckler and Carlos Hyde in week nine if you're a winning team operating from a position of luxury, either either that or maybe on the very uh, – bright side of the competitive uh, uh, category of teams right now. You're a very, very competitive team, let's say, if you aren't maybe quite a team operating from positional luxury, but you own Eckler and Hyde and think you can squeak through in your matchup this week without those guys and absorb an Alvin Kamara's buy from a losing team. I mean, that's absolutely the kind of move that we're looking to make here. Last but not least on the either hold or sell really high side of the week nine running back market is David Montgomery. Uh, we have kind of been comparing and contrasting his situation with Miles Sanders all season. Uh, primarily, it's the big, the big difference in the underlying snap count and the trajectory of that snap count that have told a different story for those two players all season long, even though it hasn't really worked out for Montgomery because of other circumstantial issues there. In Chicago, we got a little bit worried that that upward trend that uh, looked like Montgomery was heading towards locking down this backfield the first month of the season had evaporated in a smoke and mirrors Matt Nagy offense. Uh, His snap counts had devolved in recent weeks, but we're back. We're back. We got the 31 touches, 147 yards, a touchdown on that ever so important 73% snap count. Uh, in week eight for David Montgomery. And he's got nice matchups on the horizon and his buy is out of the way. So all of this is very, very encouraging for David Montgomery. Um, He looks like he's back on the snap count trajectory we like. I still don't fully trust it, though, or anything associated with that Bears offense. So as good as David Montgomery looks like he may be to keep here, I think think you're feeling good about that. Man, you also aren't completely... uh, you don't find it completely trustworthy if you're a David Montgomery owner. And this would be a ripe and opportune time to see if you can parlay David Montgomery 
into a better, more reliable fantasy asset, you know, moving forward? Can you put Dave Montgomery in with, you know, Todd Gurley or Derek Henry or Chris Carson or Austin Eckler or Carlos Hyde? You know, can we get a couple of these guys together and can we track down the can we track down the Zeke Elliott's, the Saquon Barkley's of the world right now, the Christian McCaffrey's, the Alvin Kamara's, the Dalvin Cook's? You know, maybe you can take a David Montgomery and a smaller player and go get a Le'Veon Bell at a little bit lower level right now. That would even be a trade that I would uh, recommend making. Melvin Gordon, the other side of the equation there in with the Chargers in that backfield with Austin Eckler. Melvin Gordon for me is in the category of, you know, what the hell do I do with them? I think it's a bit of a three-way go. Is he a hold? Is he a sell? Is he a buy low um, or a buy at all? Maybe some people are tricked by the touchdown this last week and maybe just, you know, they're reacting with the herd. And, you know, it's so weird that people wait for the good news to buy. The, the sociology of human behavior economically is just bewildering. It's just bewildering to me that everybody waits for things to be good to all go out and do it all at the same time. It's counterintuitive to any logic uh, for realizing any type of value in life. And it just it, it just seems so obvious, but people are so scared. People are so scared. They can't help but behave in the group think, behave in the pack. It's where they feel, it's where they feel safest. It's, it's such a irrational fear. Your lives could be so much better with some very low impact changes. Melvin Gordon, you know, so it just depends on what you can get for him or, and how invested you are. You know, what can you get on Melvin Gordon in your league versus how invested in him are you? Most people, he's going to end up being a hold. But personally, I'm looking to sell Melvin Gordon wherever I can in a deal for a better player. It's just unclear how that's going to go down in your league or if that can go down. Alvin Kamara, um, he was a buy last week. You know, he, he was a buy last week because he was injured and we knew he had a buy on the horizon. So he was a little bit of a, one of the rare opportunities you had to buy. You had opportunity to buy in on Alvin Kamara. So the question is, you know, what do you do with him this week? Obviously, if you're a competitive team, you're, you or a team operating for positional luxury, you already own Kamara, you're holding him and you feel good about the return of Breeze and Kamara coming off of this buy, you know. But if you're a losing team, if you're a losing team, can you absorb his buy this week? There's a good chance you might not, and you might have to consider you might have to consider trading Alvin Kamara this week. Or let's suppose that you're a team operating from a position of luxury and you don't roster Alvin Kamara. I mean, is this a ripe and opportune time to approach a losing team who rosters Alvin Kamara needs to win this week and they can absorb his buy, but you are lavish with assets from top to bottom. So you can, and you could quote unquote overpay for Alvin Kamara right now. An Alvin Kamara that's, not even really injured anymore with Drew Brees getting back. But this is the way we can get maybe uh, – we're not, again, not really looking for a discount on Kamara, just the fact that he can even be available to arm our t- team up for this uh, – for the huge playoff race 
would be a major coup at only 15% touchdown dependency. There's so much upside in the future here for Alvin Kamara with Drew Brees coming back on offense that looks really, really good. And, you know, we always talk about uh, at Roster Watch too, sometimes you got to get creative. You got to show some ingenuity, quit banging your head against the wall and and the creative angle can sometimes be take this line of logic and flip it on its head. So um, a lot of times all year we've been owning Alvin Kamara thinking about how can we get Latavius Murray or, and, and now I'm a losing team and I don't know, I can't deal with Alvin Kamara's buy this week, but there's nobody really approaching me to overpay me in my league. Like who's a, who's a good trade target for me if I'm an Alvin Kamara owner and I've got to liquidate him this week. Well, flip it on his head. The smart thing to do at this point might be to go to the, whoever owns Latavius Murray in your league. Go to whoever Latavius Murray owns Latavius Murray in your league. They've been riding that sugar high the last two weeks. Absolute monsters out of Latavius Murray, and they've got the bottom about to fall out. Now, Latavius Murray is a guy uh, we'll talk about here in one second what to do with him if you own him and you don't own Alvin Kamara with that bottom potentially falling out for Latavius Murray here. But first, let's if we're an Alvin Kamara owner, that's in a bind and needs to win this week and can't absorb his buy, one of the good targets would be to go see if you can find a team in your league who's been relying on Latavius Murray the last few weeks, has gotten a few wins, is in in good shape, and they can't afford to skip a beat here. That might be a good deal, another good target team to try to send Alvin Kamara off and get get a deal done with, get some players you can use this week if you find yourself in that situation. Hopefully not. So speaking of Latavius Murray, I think he's mostly just off the trade market this week with the buy, uh, with the buy, and then with Alvin Kamara on the verge of coming back. I would say there is a chance that maybe Latavius Murray has reemerged as the potential standalone flex play that we thought he might be preseason during draft season. I, mean, I don't think we're ever going to get the Mark Ingram roll out of him that some were hopeful for. Um, so you can have that. You might have that fallback if you're a Latavius Murray owner that's worried that the uh, bottom's going to fall out of your flex play that you've had the last two weeks. He's not going to be a monster flex play like that, but maybe he can still be a low-end flex play moving forward based on what our preseason calculations were and what we've seen uh, lately. But I'd say if I'm a Latavius Murray owner, I mean, this is the best time to test what you can get from the Alvin Kamara owner in your league that's been scared straight by this most recent Alvin Kamara injury. That's your best opportunity to take Latavius Murray and go get something for him while you can right now. Bill's rookie running back, Devin Singletary. I think he's off the trade market this week. He outplayed Frank Gore last week. The window is shut to buy low in my opinion he'd been a guy we'd been trying to track down as a a kind of a buy low flex guy in recent weeks Uh, Chase Edmonds of the Arizona Cardinals Edmonds with an O not with a U I can't believe how many times we see that misspelled uh, on Twitter and in the fantasy industry right now Uh, he was sell really high last week is what we told you to do was either keep him keep him and realize he was a flex or sell really, really high. Uh, right now, it looks like you're just kind of, he's probably off the trade market for week nine completely. And then David Johnson in the same backfield, he's probably on ice as well 
Uh, tried to get you to sell high the last two weeks on David Johnson. Sounds like he's close to being able to play. So maybe you can still uh, use him to throw as a throw-in to put him put you over the top and some real some rare deal for a you know a big bigger player in your league. That's going to totally depend. Maybe his name value can still get you somewhere. You can get up to even a Le'Veon Bell somehow would be you know outstanding. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's turn the page to the wide receiver side of the Week Nine fantasy football trade market. Okay, let's begin as we did on the running back side with the ultra elite, super elite players in fantasy at the wide receiver position that aren't even necessarily buys. They're just flat out targets at this point as we begin to shift gears, change strategy right here on the trade market uh, with about three weeks left uh, on the fantasy football trade market across most leagues. This is when we are going to begin crafting a strategy to improve our team for the playoff run, which mostly means that we are just bulking up our starting lineup everywhere we can to the most cartoonish uh, level absolutely possible. Not all teams, not all listeners, not all players are in position uh, to begin making this move yet, but there is a whole group of teams operating from a position of luxury at this point in the season that certainly are, and it's a good time to uh, maintain uh, maintain that lead you've got over everybody else in your league uh, by stacking these guys up. Is once you get in the playoffs, things can start to equalize a little bit, and your team can also start to run out of gas. You need to inject your team uh, with a kind of a big shot to the arm here down down the stretch, and um, you want to make sure that you've been dominant all season. You want to continue to be dominant with your starting lineup uh, in the in the fantasy playoffs. So. Again, on the wide receiver side of the Week 9 trade market, fantasy football trade market, right here on the Week 9 rosterwatch.com trade cast. Uh, we're going to begin with just flat-out super elite wide receiver targets if we are oper- operating from a position of luxury. And that would begin, with, of course, with guys like Michael Thomas. Um, is he on a losing team? I'm not sure. He could be in your in your league. He certainly could be. Uh DeAndre Hopkins obviously reemerging. The Devontae Adams of the world look like they're about to get healthy and get going. The Mike Evans of the world potentially even coming to this conversation. It's a small group, just like it is on the running back side. But all the guys that you wanted to draft in the first round at the beginning of the season, uh, just the sickest wide receivers in the league, those are the guys we want to try to add right now, even if we are kind of, quote, unquote, got to overpay from them a little bit, even if we're not necessarily buying low on them, even if they're not necessarily sells for their owners at this team, we just, we at least need to investigate. It is our responsibility to our team to at least investigate what's going on with the best players in all of fantasy in our league. And if there's a ripe opportunity to get after one of these guys right now and shake them free, uh, you absolutely have to, as long as it's not, you know, as long as you're operating in a position from a position of strength or luxury, and it's not going to compromise your starting lineup or really your chances to win this week or anything else. I mean, that kind of pursuit of a player like that, uh, you know, is certainly for only one set of teams right now, and that's those of you who are operating from a, a position of luxury. 
So that's the first order of business on the wide receiver side of the week nine fantasy football trade market. But then there's a whole slew of pretty good buys right behind that, that the competitive teams and even the struggling teams can try to get in on this week to help continue improving their rosters and improving their chances to win, improving their starting lineups. Odell Beckham would continue to be in the this category. He's on the buy side of the Week 9 fantasy football trade market at the wide receiver position. Uh, Odell Beckham, the final six weeks of the season are Pittsburgh, Miami, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Arizona, and Baltimore. That's a pretty decent end of the season for Odell Beckham after you get through Denver and Buffalo the next two weeks. Uh, obviously, lots of folks are struggling that own Odell Beckham and – just generally people are disenfranchised with the whole situation in Cleveland, which seems to be devolving outside of Nick Chubb. Only one touchdown on the season for Odell Beckham. I'll take my chances and try to buy Odell Beckham right now where I can. Robbie Anderson of the New York Jets. Guys, this is the time. It's finally here. And it's turned out, I thought it was only the next six week of the season, but as I dug more into this, it's the next eight weeks of the season. You know, we've been preaching this, buy on Robbie Anderson for a few weeks here. We told you you're going to have to absorb a couple of tough weeks to get to the meat of this schedule. That was a move for good teams, luxury teams, competitive leagues to make only in the last few weeks. Now everybody can get in on Robbie Anderson with the Miami Dolphins, the New York Giants, the Washington Redskins, the Oakland Raiders, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Miami Dolphins once again, and then the Baltimore Ravens and Pittsburgh Steelers for the next eight weeks. Uh, all of those are top nine matchups on the season against fantasy wide receivers, except or four fan, fantasy wide receivers, except for Pittsburgh, which is the number 13 matchup so far for fantasy wide receivers on the season. It's a good, you know, it's an above average matchup for fantasy wide receivers. So the next eight matchups all the way through the end of the season are very, very good for Robbie Anderson. Five of them are approximately in the top five or six matchups in the league for uh, fantasy wide receivers. So again, all of these, nothing in life comes without risk. All of this is a calculated and strategic risk, but Robbie Anderson, a really, really good ad right now. And people are probably the unknowing or unsuspecting Robbie Anderson owner is very down on that whole jet situation and on his situation I mean, there could be a real opportunity to still get in on Robbie Anderson this week uh, for those that aren't uh, privy to all of this information or maybe just, you know, they, they um, uh, for whatever reason, are disenfranchised with the Jets, maybe like some folks are with the Browns. It is an absolute dream fantasy schedule for Robbie Anderson the rest of the way. Calvin Ridley is a buy this week. I saw everything I needed to see last week, even with Matt Schaub, uh, just as we suspected with Sanu out. Calvin Ridley is going to be freaking awesome. Uh, he may still be a little under the radar in your league because I, it depends on if somebody watched the game last week or not. The, the numbers weren't eye-popping, but his ability to run routes is. And he's got springs for the red zone too. So he's heading into the bye. Calvin Ridley is. His schedule's not great rest of season. Um, but I think, you know, in terms of real football on the field, Julio's the kind of guy that takes so much attention away that for a, a terrific route runner like Ridley who can separate and get open versus almost anybody, you know, you have to believe he's still going to, even with a tougher schedule, he's still going to have a lot of opportunities to make big plays, 
uh, in that Falcons offense. I'd like to own Calvin Ridley quite a bit where I can right now down the stretch. So I think he's a very, very good add. You're obviously, if you're arming up for the nuclear uh, playoff race, you know, he's probably not a guy you're targeting unless you're in a, like a 16-team league. That would be a really nice add. Uh, more likely than not, Calvin Ridley, if I was a struggling team uh, looking to liquidate, can't take him on Can't take him on this week because of the buy. That's something maybe we could look at next week. But I would say Calvin Ridley comes into focus for competitive teams uh, this week that maybe have somebody good on their bench they can slide in and play uh, to get them through this week that they would feel good about while they wait for Calvin Ridley to come back and improve their quality of their overall starting lineup and roster. A two-for-one trade from a competitive team, a, kind of a modest, you know, lower-impact two-for-one trade uh, sent out by a competitive team to a struggling Calvin Ridley owner who has him on by this week. Uh, that's not a bad that's certainly not a bad idea, and it shouldn't take much to get Ridley. I mean, two pretty low-end flex plays, or maybe even just one guy. I mean, you know, his value might be so low, you can't even come up with two guys cheap enough that are marketable enough to put them together and sell for Ridley. You you might just have an extra flex on your bench who you don't think is good as Ridley the rest of the season, but the Ridley owner needs a dude this week and you just ship them one for one a wide receiver. That might be one of the rare cases where a one for one equivalency trade symmetrical equivalency trade within the same position takes place. We said that's a stash situation and, and that's what this would be for a competitive team though. Um, or you could, you could send a running back to the Ridley owner who's struggling right now, a low end running back, you know, could you, would you want to send a Jamal Williams or a Miles Sanders even for a Calvin Ridley. I think you could do that. I think you can get more for those guys, but that's how you start to think here. I think you could start to think like that. Let's say if you're in a, looking to liquidate a Miles Sanders, you could get Ridley plus a guy. I mean, that's that's not a bad option there. Robert Woods has the buy this week. But we are potentially looking at a prolonged Brandon Cook's absence, and that remains to be seen. I know Alex wasn't overly interested in Josh Reynolds on the waiver wire cheat sheet this week, but obviously he comes into focus if Cooks is out. He's seen a specialist, second concussion this season. He's had a history of him. He's a small guy. You start to get worried about a player like that. These concussions happen so close together this season. It was like he had one, came back, then the other one pretty soon after. I would expect that he could be out for a little bit. And if that's the case, Robert Woods, who's on by this week, suddenly could come back to a pretty substantial role in the Rams passing offense. Uh, Robert Woods is a guy that I'm not making a any kind of priority this week to go after, but certainly a player I wouldn't mind getting in return in some type of deal. You know, sometimes we're having to do a three three for two uh, even though it's still a consolidation trade and we're getting the best player back in, in return, there has to be still maybe another uh, vestigial player attached to help reconcile the difference in values between the principles in that deal. Robert Woods is a guy I can live with taking back. And the same would go with the Carolina Panthers wide receivers, Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore. Who the hell knows what's going to happen with Cam Newton. But based on training camp, if he were to come back and even be anywhere close to how he was – you know, looking, I, I think both of those guys get a bump and, and can be pretty good. And, and we've still seen England with Kyle Allen 
on a given week, both of those players uh, potentially can be good. So, and and their value is pretty low, and I don't nobody's real married to either of those players right now. So, you know, again, not really making Robert Woods or Curtis Samuel or DJ Moore a priority this week, but I do think they are on the buy side of the Week Nine wide receiver market. Decent players moving forward that you could maybe get in on for fairly cheap this week. But in terms of the priority of the Week Nine, the priorities, the top priorities of the Week 9 wide receiver trade market roster watch nation are Odell Beckham, Robbie Anderson, and Calvin Ridley. Identify your situation and see if tracking down any of those three wide receivers makes sense for you. Rookie Redskins wide receiver Terry McLaurin is becoming very close to just a flat-out sell for me. Uh, He's kind of borderline with the group of guys that are sell highs or holds at this point. He's somewhere between a sell high and a sell maybe hold if you really need to. Uh, Terry McLaurin, Washington Redskins, outstanding rookie wide receiver. Uh, If you're a struggling team that owns Terry McLaurin, um, I absolutely think he's a sell at this point. If you're a competitive team who's in a better situation or maybe a team operating from a position of luxury that can absorb the next few weeks that lie ahead, the treacherous few weeks that lie ahead for Terry McLaurin and some of the hiccups we could see down the stretch with this Redskins team, I think then he's a fine keep or maybe only a sell really high where you can. Uh, But I'd say anybody who is struggling right now that owns Terry McLaurin has to highly consider making him a sell on the week nine fantasy football uh, trade market. Five catches uh, for 50 yards this last week. I'm sorry, five catches for 50 total yards, five total catches, 50 total yards over the last two weeks total since the big week six for Terry McLaurin. Uh, he gets the Bills this week in a tough matchup with, as Alex says, another golden son of Roster Watch Nation. Uh, sick shutdown quarterback, Tredavious White, for the Buffalo Bills. And then it's a week 10 bye for Terry McLaurin and an uncertain situation at quarterback for the Redskins, you know, ahead rest of season. I mean, we got Bill Callahan saying that Case Keenum will continue to be the guy if and when healthy. They're trying to clear him in concussion protocol this week. Uh, Again, Bill Callahan, the interim head coach in Washington, saying that Keenum will remain the starter while healthy because Dwayne Haskins has looked absolutely terrible so far. But on the other hand, we have Dan Snyder, a meddling owner with a lame dunk interim head coach. And Haskins is Snyder's guy, and the plan has always kind of been Haskins is going to come in and play week 11 of the season after that week 10 bye. Everybody's kind of known that back since the NFL draft at the end of April when they made that selection in the first round. You know, so I'd like to take what Bill Callahan's saying and believe in it if I'm a McLaurin owner is that would feel really nice if we know that Case Keenum's just going to keep on going as long as he's healthy but I just say that situation is far from unclear and you have to bake some of that uncertainty into kind of our rest of season projection for Terry McLaurin there's kind of a suite of possibilities or outcomes to the rest of his season here and certainly one of them is Dwayne Haskins getting thrust into a you know a 
bad Redskins offense. And even though those guys played together at Ohio State, once you get to the pros, the big boys, I'm not sure that matters. We've seen what's going on with James Washington and Mason Rudolph over there with the Pittsburgh uh, Steelers. You know, the other, you know, the other possibilities in this kind of range of outcomes, though, for Terry McLaurin are the if you can fade this matchup with the Bills in the Week Ten bye, and if somehow Case Keenum keeps a grip on the job and um, Dan Snyder lets Bill Callahan have his way here uh, down the stretch. He does get a good matchup on the other side of the bye with Detroit, and then he has middling matchups with Green Bay and Carolina. However, he finishes the season with two really nice ones. That is Terry McLaurin against the Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles at the end of the fantasy playoffs, which is enticing, of course, if Haskins isn't starting by then, which remains to be seen. So I just still believe if you can sell the rookie really high, Terry McLaurin, most cases you're thinking about doing so, you should at least consider it at 6.57 targets per game, 40% touchdown dependency on the season. Allen Robinson may be a little bit more of a keep than a Terry McLaurin, but also a player we can consider selling high. Five catches for 62 yards in week eight, a middling wide receiver two on the season, but top 10 in targets on the season. I mean, the status is really unchanged from last week from Allen Robinson. He's got the monster matchup versus the Philadelphia secondary this week. So a very sick play in Allen Robinson uh, this week. So only a sell very high or a nice keep this week and probably rest the season with the buy out of the way. But, you know, as we'll say, Allen Robinson – Really, like a lot of these wide receivers, can he could ghost you in any given week, or you know, have, give you a substandard performance? And so, if you could consider selling him high for one of the really, really elite players in fantasy, you still have to would have to be, you know, diligent and do so. Stephon Diggs, Minnesota Vikings, same category, a, a great keep at this point, but still continues to have some of the profiles of sell high, which means if you could sell really, really high for Stephon Diggs to nab yourself an elite player to arm up for the playoff race as we are under beginning to undertake the process of shifting the equity from that we've built from across our entire fantasy roster, thrusting it forward, shipping it into our starting lineup uh, for the playoff race where we will be in a must-win, live-or-die situation every week and our bench isn't going to really do us much do much good. We don't want to go to our grave with a boatload of cash under our mattress after we've been living like a Scrooge for the last fifty years and didn't leave it didn't even leave any of it to any loved ones in a will. What a miserable way to go! And that's what going into the playoffs with a super stacked bench is. It's a harebrained and nonsensical way to play fantasy football. Stephon Diggs, 6.13 targets per game on the season on an absolute tear. Another seven catches for 143 yards. No touchdowns, but a 79% snap count in week eight for Stephon Diggs. They are at Kansas City this week, uh, the Minnesota Vikings. And then it's Dallas-Denver, two tougher matchups, then a bye in week 12. So the next three matchups are... Kansas City, a little tougher on paper than you might think. Number 23, number 24, number 25 matchups for fantasy wide receivers on the season per the proprietary rosterwatch.com matchup tool, the week nine matchup tool that can be found for our pro subscribers 
over at rosterwatch.com. And we're getting Adam Thielen back. So we've got not terrible matchups on the horizon, not the worst in the league, but definitely like bottom 10 matchups for fantasy wide receivers the next three weeks for Stefan Diggs on what's been a little over six targets per game. And then we got a buy in week 12 that we've got to consider over the next three weeks here, a critical stretch of our fantasy league as we wrap this will really be the final weeks of this trade market too, as we look ahead, what to do with digs. And we've got Adam Thielen probably back this week. So uh, with, if it's Matt Moore again in Kansas City this week, I'm not sure that forces the game script. Uh, I don't know how much action that forces on the game script. You know, you want if you're gonna have if you're gonna have Stephon, you really want him in a shootout against Cat- Kansas City with a Pat Mahomes. That may not be the case this week. So this is a guy again, Stephon Diggs. We have to consider selling super duper high on for the very best players in all of fantasy if we can. And if not, you know, we keep them and we can ride the waves. But um, anytime we can consider selling high on one of these Vikings wide receivers, I think we have to because they're both just right around six targets per game on the season. I mean, Adam Thielen very much in this same category. He's been so consistent when healthy on the season. He's really delivered and you've been happy with him. But, you know, 5.71 targets per game, 51% touchdown dependency for Adam Thielen. Those are those are historically just unsustainable numbers. T.Y. Hilton, a keep or a sell very, very high as we look forward here down the uh, stretch in the fantasy football season right here on the Week 9 rosterwatch.com tradecast. He's got the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Miami Dolphins, the Jacksonville Jaguars on the horizon with the buy out of the way. So it's a solid uh, schedule rest of season for T.Y. Hilton. You know, I think we're seeing T.Y. Hilton is... Uh, we're seeing him for what he is at this point in the season. I mean, he's a nice player, but he's not, you know, he's, he's, he's not the guy that's really just putting your team over the top right now. So willing to keep him. Brissett's been really, really good. Also willing to sell high on T.Y. Hilton if we can get up to one of the super elite players in all of fantasy. Uh, it was two receptions, 54 yards, no touchdowns in week eight for T.Y. Hilton heading into this week nine matchup now with Pittsburgh. Kenny Galladay, Detroit Lions, six for 123, two touchdowns on an 83% snap count in week eight. Uh, it's a middle of the road to slightly difficult remaining schedule for Kenny Galladay rest of the season. He's been a wide receiver one and a really good player to own at 7.86 targets per game. He's somewhat touchdown dependent at 42% touchdown dependency in standard formats on the season. Overall, you just think about it, man. Roster Watch Nation, we really hit on all the Chris Godwins and Tyler Lockett's, Kenny Galladay's, now probably even the Calvin Ridley's of the world, and that kind of like round that three, round three, four turn all the way through round six in our fantasy football drafts this year. It feels really, really nice. Um, yeah, Kenny Galladay, for me to part with him at this point, it would have to be in a deal for an absolutely monster player to even begin considering it. So mostly a keep, but certainly if you can get up to one of these very, very top guys, you know, you have to consider it in Galladay a, a quite marketable fantasy asset at this point. Juju Smith-Schuster, Pittsburgh Steelers, a good fantasy outing in week eight versus the Dolphins, a decent schedule ahead. Uh, the bye week is in the rearview mirror for Juju. So not a bad guy to try to finish the season with here. 
like the nine targets per game. He got this last week, and he was the clear wide receiver you know, leader in snap count on the Steelers. Uh, but it is interesting that his snap count, even while leading the pack, has declined the last three weeks from 92% snap count three weeks ago to 85% snap count two weeks ago to 74% snap count this last week for Juju. Something to watch, probably a keep, but once again, a player, absolutely a marketable guy. He was a second-round draft pick. He had the better game. Uh, yeah, He's not really been that bad on the season. If I could take a Juju and get up to a DeAndre Hopkins or you know maybe even a Devontae Adams or certainly a Michael Thomas uh, or any, anybody of that ilk, I'm certainly considering doing so. Would I go? Would I? Would I? Would I like to get up to an Odell with a Juju? I'm not sure. That's unclear at this point. I'm not sure. I'm going out of my way to make that move. DJ Chark could be another guy that falls into this category. You know, of most most certainly a terrific guy to keep, but potentially you can consider selling really, really high on him at 7.63 targets per game as we're looking to optimize our starting lineups, uh, to, to begin optimizing our starting lineups for a monster playoff run, to have the absolute best players in all of fantasy. We want to own as many of those guys possible on our starting fantasy lineups heading into um, – the fantasy into and towards the fantasy playoffs. And certainly Chark is a good guy. That's great to keep. That's taken you a long way and very happy to keep. I think we can be honest with ourselves and say that he's doesn't live in that very top group of elite fantasy players at the moment, you know, but been really good. And as Evan Silva pointed out on Twitter yesterday, um, DJ Chark on pace for 78 receptions, 1,320 yards, 12 touchdowns, 16.9 16.9 yards per catch. Uh, he's number nine uh, in the league out of 87 wide receivers in yards per route. He's number two in the league in 20-plus yard catches. He's number two in the league in yards gained on receptions resulting in 20 or more yards. He's only got one dropped ball. Number six in DVOA out of top 70 wide receivers on the season. Uh, DJ Chark gets the Bucks, Chargers, Raiders, Falcons down the stretch for the fantasy playoffs. So it's a pretty nice stretch there uh, with a great matchup this week, but then the bye after that. So mostly a really solid keep for DJ Chark. Um, but again, the right type of a guy to go, you know, big game hunting with certainly could be a player like DJ Chark. Uh, his regained and renewed markability coming off the 12 target game last week and people feeling the Minshew magic everywhere right now. Tyrell Williams of the Oakland Raiders continues to either be a keep or a sell really high at only six targets per game. It's not a sell. Again, not all these guys are buys or, you know, not everybody's a sell high or a buy low. Some guys are just sells and some guys are just buys. And now we've introduced this week, the category of super elite player. That's just a flat out target, regardless of their situation. Uh, if you can get out of them, if you're operating from a position of luxury and uh, in position uh, to start undertaking that type of move. But when we're talking about a guy like Tyrell uh, Williams, you know, he's been good when healthy. He's got a pretty good schedule uh, the rest of the way. We obviously hate him at roster watch, um, but he he's dodged the trade deadline. 
He's pretty clearly the lead dog the rest of the way at wide receiver for Oakland, an offense that's firing the football around pretty good. So Tyrell Williams, a very fine keep at this point. Uh, Six targets per game is paltry. Uh, So he's always a guy that we love selling high on for a better player if and where we can. And I think it's actually very possible to do so at this point. The fact that he's a top 10 play on the season in standard on a points per game basis is bananas. Cortland Sutton, who is actually demonstrating some by low characteristics this week in DFS, maybe a slightly different story in season long, a player that we own a lot of and we're very happy to keep. He's been very, very, very good at this point, but you just wonder with the quarterback situation, you know, maybe it doesn't get worse than Flacco, but appearing to devolve and then a matchup with Cleveland this week, followed by the bye week. Part of me wonders if this is a good time to consider selling really, really high on Cortland Sutton. In terms of the wide receivers on the week nine fantasy football trade market that maybe we're not totally sure what to do with. Again, these guys, maybe there's a three-way go on them. Maybe they're a hold. Maybe they're a buy. Maybe they're a sell. It's just going to be so circumstantial in your league. I think are Jarvis Landry and Keenan Allen. You know, Jarvis Landry, what do you want to do with that situation? He's a guy you have to ponder this week. Keenan Allen, probably the same. He is averaging 10 targets per game, though, which is, you know, really, really nice on the season. However, his production has fallen quite a bit. He's not really producing at an elite level anymore. Uh, He's got Green Bay, Oakland, and then Kansas City. He could be pretty involved over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Obviously, continue to be worried about the overall situation with the Chargers. So Keenan Allen is a player that uh, there's a number of ways you could go with him, that he could go in your league. I'd say he's just a name to watch in your fantasy football league this week. Maybe keep an eye on him and see what your feelings are, see what the see what the situation in your league is with Keenan Allen. Uh, maybe he's a hold for some team. Maybe he's a hold for you. Maybe he's a buy low, but some team's in a bind. Or maybe he is a guy that it's just time to ship out and sell high on if you can use him in the right deal to put you over the top for a better player in return. Uh, Maybe there's a struggling team that would take on Keenan Allen and another player from you uh, that'll, and and they'll send you one of their very best players back in return. That might not be a bad trade chip. Then guys that have basically come off of the trade market in week nine uh, at the wide receiver position, Marvin Jones went four catches for 22 yards Uh, This last week after he was a red hot sell high the week before that coming off the four touchdown game. So we implored you to sell him. Uh, Hope that you did. And then Devontae Adams of the Green Bay Packers. He's been a buy on this podcast for several weeks now. I'd say he's probably off the table. Sounds like he's very close to returning. Of course, we're still waiting on his status. So might be a guy you still continue to keep an eye on. And then at the tight end position, We've been talking about him beginning to rear his head a little bit the last few weeks as a potential buy low. And boy, do I think it's really finally come into focus in principle, like for real this week. Zach Ertz, tight end of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's a decent matchup this week versus the Bears, but then it's a bye week for Ertz. He hasn't had a good fantasy game in almost a month while Dallas Goddard's been eating. 
And that's just been painful and frustrating for the Zach Ertz owners to endure. So if I haven't solved my tight end problem, I'm fine trading for Zach Ertz and just starting him every week the rest of the season, alleviating the headache and letting the chips fall where they may. So if I don't own Zach Ertz and I need to solve my tight end problem, he is absolutely the number one guy this week. I'm going straight to my league page and figuring out what the hell is going on with Zach Ertz. All right, ladies and gentlemen of Roster Watch Nation, before we get out of here, we always leave you with some mock trade examples. And, um, you know, we always like to integrate a little bit of uh, feedback from the listeners of this show or the subscribers over uh, over on the site as well over at rosterwatch.com. And so let's begin with something I got from Devin on Twitter, at Dev Mace. And he wanted to know in a keeper league, if he made a good trade liquidating Devontae Freeman and Odell Beckham for Joe Mixon, Miles Sanders, and DK Metcalf. And I'll tell you what, Devin, you make me such a proud uh, proud content provider right now because that's the kind of deal that we've been angling for all season long. It makes so much sense. Devin explained to me on Twitter that he was a struggling team that pretty much his season was up, but he had a little, he was struggling filling out his lineup. So he needs some guys and he wants to try to get in it, you know, see if he could stay in it down the stretch and pull off, uh, you know, uh, um, pull off uh, maybe a little bit of a miracle getting into his fantasy playoffs this year. And since it's a keeper league, he also wants to begin stockpiling for next year. And so this trade makes perfect sense for him, trading a Devontae Freeman and an Odell Beckham and getting a Joe Mixon, a Miles Sanders, and a DK Metcalf in return. You see what somebody did there was they paid, oh, they overpaid for Odell Beckham. Uh, at this point, we love getting a DK Metcalf back in return. He's He's been basically as good as Odell right now on the season. So he's a fine replacement uh, in your roster for the rest of the season this year. And DK, obviously a very nice player to have uh, in a keeper league. The same thing goes for a Miles Sanders for, versus a Devontae Freeman. And then you're getting a Joe Mixon too. That's a very, very, very good trade, uh, Devin. You identified your needs and you made a smart liquidation trade that helps you now and in the future. You got starters and guys you could feel good about in return. And you got somebody to overpay for Devontae Freeman and Odell Beckham. We have our good friend Minion Hunter on Twitter, at Minion Hunter. He wants to know, what do you do if you have a surplus of stud quarterbacks on your roster? So this is the same thing we've kind of been going over for handful of weeks now is that many of you guys at this point in the season have two really good quarterbacks or maybe two elite quarterbacks or many of you at this point have two really good or two elite tight ends. So uh, folks want to know how, what, you know, what kind of deal should I be looking to make with these? So Minion Hunter, uh, thank you so much for being such a long time and loyal subscriber and just a, uh, just a wonderful member of Roster Watch Nation. We can't thank you enough uh, for all of your support over the years. And I would just tell you if you have a if you have an extra stud quarterback on your bench every week, again, that's like dying with a pile of money under your bed. 
and no will to a loved ones is going in, into the fantasy playoffs with a, a stud quarterback on your bench. That's just horrible, right? Because the, that's the other thing. The chance of quarterback injury is much lower. You know, maybe you go into the playoff with a little bit of depth. Somebody gets injured, fine. You, it's very rare you're going to go into your fantasy playoffs and need your backup quarterback because your starter is going to get injured. So you got an elite guy on your bench every week. That's just – that's like setting money on fire every week. You just It's unconscionable. And so, Minion, what you need to do is you need to take your elite backup quarterback and you either need to package him with a flex player – to get a running back one or a wide receiver one in return to help front load your starting lineup here down the stretch to prepare you for the best playoff run with the most formidable starting lineup possible. Or you could try to put a bigger deal together with that backup quarterback. A lot of people overpay for quarterbacks, overvalue quarterbacks. We're seeing that over the course of the season. You could take that backup quarterback to the elite and package him with a better player than a flex, a bigger player than a flex, and go after one of these top five guys that we've talked about, one of the ultra elite, elite elite players in all of fantasy that would just make your starting lineup cartoonish minion. That would be another way to just absolutely go big game hunting with your stud backup quarterback. Uh, the other option is if you're a struggling team who needs to liquidate your stud backup quarterback, probably you should have done it sooner. And this is part of the reason why you are losing. You need to fill out your, uh, you need better options at your flex or, you know, you're putting a couple garbage players in your lineup every week and you've got a stud quarterback rotting on your bench every week. It's just a misuse, a misallocation of your assets over the course of the season. It's, look, if you want to be rich, you got to act like somebody who's rich. You got to, if you want to be a winning player, you got to behave like a winning player. And those aren't winning tendencies. So if you are in a situation where you need to liquidate that player because you've identified you're struggling because your competitive lineup is not, your starting lineup's not competitive because every week you're putting one or more, one, two, three or more garbage players in there, take that stud backup quarterback and liquidate him down for two startable flex options. You know, one RB2 and one wide receiver two or something along those lines. And then for you, those of you, who are uh, looking at a similar situation with having a stud tight end on your bench, I would say just follow that same pathologic. It's the same, uh, it's the same idea. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, on to some mock drafts that we've constructed for the week nine trade market so that you guys can have a pathway to move forward this week on the fantasy football trade market. And I'm going to make an addendum right here at the end of the podcast, too. I think that we are going to put Devontae Freeman in with the category of player on the running back side of the Week 9 trade market that we are happy to keep. He's been just fine, but we are certainly happy to sell high on if we can in return for one of these elite players. Let's begin with the big, big fish at the running back position, which are our number one priority on the Week 9 trade market. We are in pursuit of these guys right now. Um, if we've got the pedal to the metal, we are in just hot pursuit. We're hot and heavy for these guys if we're a team operating from a position of luxury on the week nine trade market. So let's start with, for example, Ezekiel Elliott or Saquon Barkley. Those guys aren't really by lows or anything right now. They're not at all. They're just flat out super elite targets for the most winning teams in all of fantasy football. So for instance, can we take, can we try to go after, well, first let's see what the status of the Zeke Elliott or Saquon Barkley owner is in our league, but let's say they're a losing or a struggling team. Maybe they're having trouble filling out their lineup this week. 
I mean, we got to give them a couple guys in return. So hopefully, you know, maybe you encounter a situation like that. That would be awesome. So for instance, can we take a Dave Montgomery and a Tevin Coleman and get a Zeke or a Chris Carson in, you know, a Chris Carson and a David Montgomery to get a Zeke or a Barkley? Can we do a Todd Gurley and a David Montgomery for a Zeke or a Barkley? Probably not Gurley on by this week, but maybe we could send a Austin Eckler and Derrick Henry offer to a struggling team uh, that owns one of these guys. Can we take two of these really good running backs that we spoke about earlier today and get up to a Ezekiel Elliott or a Saquon Barkley, even if we got a quote unquote, you know, overpaid to some extent? I would, I would, I mean, I'm in a league where, for instance, I have Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman, and they've both been performing well. If I could, I would take both those guys and trade them. It's a lot to give up. And maybe if you sit start them properly the rest of the way, they'll perform just about as well as plugging in one of these other guys every week. But that's a headache. I would much rather have a guy with probably more upside and more liability in the elite elite and a guy like Zeke and Barkley than matchup playing between a Tevin Coleman and a Devontae Freeman the rest of the way. And the same would go for an Alvin Kamara. I mean, potentially, that's a lot to give up for Kamara. I think we're talking about... Uh, uh, that that begins to become pretty rich. But I think if we're talking about Zeke and Barkley, we can really go all the way to the top with those offers. Le'Veon Bell, a notch below that. Can you take an Austin Eckler or a Carlos Hyde plus a Sony Michelle or a Todd Gurley? And can you get a Le'Veon Bell out of that deal this week? Let's say we want to turn our attention to the wide receiver side of the market, the elite, super elite wide receiver targets for winning teams as they arm up for the playoff race. Uh, That begins right now, folks. Let's say you want to go after Michael Thomas or DeAndre Hopkins this week. They're not by lows, but they're just absolute monsters that you want to get as many of those guys as possible on your starting lineup heading into the fantasy playoffs and down the stretch here. And you just simply, you have the assets top to bottom to pull this off and you're a winning team who can take the take the risk here. You know, can you take a Terry McLaurin and a Cortland Sutton or a Jarvis Landry and package those two guys together and go track down DeAndre Hopkins from a team that's struggling? That's a very good possibility. The DeAndre Hopkins owner in your league is struggling. Maybe the Michael Thomas owner is. Can you get two of these guys together with that Terry McLaurin, uh, maybe even with that DJ Chark and get after one of these guys? And with this, throw in a Sutton, throw in... Oh, uh, you know, we've, the other guys we've talked about are the Galladay's, the Hilton's, the Diggs, the Robinson's, the Thielen's, the Tyrell Williams. You know, think about some miss, you know, uh, some, uh, some pairing of guys like that. Can you get them together and go net yourself one of the biggest fish in all of fantasy in Michael Thomas or DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, can you do T.Y. Hilton plus Tyrell Williams and get one of those guys from a, somebody who needs two players this week? Uh, Let's say you want to take it down a notch to Odell Beckham. Maybe you're still in just consolidation mode. You're not in total pure big game hunting mode at this point. Uh, Can you take DJ Chark and Adrian Peterson and get Odell Beckham this week? Can you take Stefan Diggs and maybe Miles Sanders or even somebody less than Miles Sanders and get Odell Beckham this week? Like Stefan Diggs and a flex to somebody who's struggling with Odell and needs a couple of players. Can you track down somebody like Robbie Anderson in a one-for-one this week 
Uh, maybe with a, a guy like Jamal Williams that we're looking to sell high on, something along those lines. If you can do a two-for-one of a little bit, maybe Williams and another small guy or two lesser players for Robbie Anderson, that would be perfectly fine, fine as well. Let's say that we're trying to finally solve, solve our tight end problem when we're ready to just throw our hands up, go get Zach Ertz, let the chips fall where they may, and we'll live with the results. It's a good time to do it. It's rare that a player like that in such a short tight end market would even be available. So if I wanted to go track down Zach Ertz this week, you know, I would first thing I would look at doing is taking the current tight end on my roster plus a flex, a good flex, somebody we discussed today, and offering that package for Ertz. I mean, the best thing to do is give up because you don't. What do you get? Your tight end becomes worthless once you trade for Ertz. It's meaningless value. So why waste that? The best deal is to take your tight end plus another player that's pretty marketable and good, and go get Ertz. Um, that's the ideal situation. It's a good chance the Ertz owner's not going to take that and to part with Ertz. He's going to want one really nice flex play in return. I think that's fine. So if I could do Terry McLaurin straight up for Zach Ertz this week and I needed a tight end and I'm deep at wide receiver, I would absolutely make that move. I'd also consider to myself, you know, can I give up Carlos Hyde or can I give up Austin Eckler straight up this week to get Zach Ertz in return? All right, ladies and gentlemen, that'll do it. Thank you so much for your time today as we broke down the week nine fantasy football trade market over at rosterwatch.com right here on the Rosterwatch podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please take a minute and rate, review the podcast, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, the Rosterwatch podcast. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a glowing review. Please follow us on Twitter at Rosterwatch and support us over at the site Rosterwatch.com with a pro subscription. Uh, Thank you to each and every one of you who support us uh, every single year that we've been doing this. Uh, We cannot... We really can't thank you enough. We have an immense amount of gratitude. None of this is possible without you. And look, every year we are still out. uh, We're out for our own fantasy teams every year. But in reality, we're out for all of your fantasy teams every year. We're on the front lines for Roster Watch Nation and all of their fantasy teams 365 days a year. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much again for your time today. And I look forward to joining you once again next week right here on the rosterwatch.com trade gas. My name is Byron Lambert on behalf of Alex Dunlap, the trash man, the robot genius, and everybody else at Roster Watch. Until next time, be good, Roster Watch Nation. Roster Watch.